And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. And do you want to tell them what we're doing in baking this week? Yes. So um, we are covering a big case this week because we feel like we have kind of been, well, we actually know, and every all, everyone that follows us <laughs> knows, we, we know. just kind of went dark there for a little bit. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah, we fell off the map completely. Um, we we're back and we're coming in strong. I mean, I know that last week we kind of just like randomly gave you guys an episode and didn't even talk about like what's been going on in our life. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, so we want to do a big case this time so we're covering jeffrey dahmer yeah so i do have to say i just walked into a really funny joke with emily um i mean not so funny because this is reality but but (laughs) um i was like oh shoot um i gotta think of something to bake and i'm like okay what do i need to bake this week i'm like what what food is related to jeffrey dahmer and emily's like um besides human flesh I really don't know (laughs) so I was like oh okay so anyway there's really nothing I can think of to actually be related to Jeffrey Dahmer um so this morning it's 9 a.m we never do a podcast this early yeah um but I've already been up and about, and I've already actually baked banana bread this morning. So that's what we're going to do. Banana bread. I used two bananas, you know, usually want to use overripe bananas. And um, honestly, I, I, I did add whole wheat flour just to be a little healthier. And you can add nuts, but I didn't because Jillian is allergic. Oh my She's gosh. Allergic. She's, uh, yeah, I found that out scarily Dude. enough. Peanuts. Oh, peanuts. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. At least peanuts, but who knows? So yeah, I'm just gonna avoid any tree nut for now. But anyway, so um I guess I should just really quick say the reason why we went dark is I I mean everyone kind of knew I was going into having this surgery. So I had surgery and life has just been crazy with trying to um you know, all the different babysitters I have taking care of me and Jilly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I still need babysitters. And now I'm five weeks after my shoulder surgery. I'm still needing someone every single day here with me. Um, not really for me, but more so just taking care of Jilly, changing her diapers, you know, all the mom stuff, all the things that she needs to live. I cannot do. I can't <laughs> put her in the high chair to feed her. <laughs> I could feed her on the floor. <laughs> I have done yes. that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could feed her on the floor, but I can't put her in her crib and I can't, um, carry her up and down the stairs and I can't change her diapers. So anyway, you know, that was a really long intro. That's okay. They, they needed to know because we really didn't talk about it at all yesterday or yesterday, last time. (laughs) So now, you know, everybody. Yep filling you in and then emily has been same old at uh disney she's just been waiting on me to get myself together <laughs> yeah well i'm out a lot too so yeah we yeah, well, yeah you actually did get another job and yeah actually i quit too, that so. job you are busy fun fact um fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> i did quit my second job and now i've just been picking up a lot of ships at my disney job so the other job well don't want to put them on blast publicly but it wasn't great (laughs) (laughs) just overwhelming everywhere everywhere is short-staffed yeah it was just like hard because they were so understaffed that's why not because the people sucked or anything but right well that's the thing about now is like everywhere is so short-staffed and so everyone is just drowning at their work because but then so then they quit but then that makes places more short-staffed yeah yeah I don't know what's going on we're short-staffed at Disney right now and uh, hard to believe but we are and so the people who are working we're working like every single day like double hours because to fill those spots of people who aren't there so it do be tiring so it do be like that yeah 
All right. So let's anyway. dive right into Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. So I'm assuming most people probably are familiar with him, but I'm going to tell this story anyway. Um, and I also have some clips today. We know how we love playing clips. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Ooh, they are pretty crazy. sad, though, but I think Aww. they're pretty... Um, the clips I'm going to play later are like victim impact statements. Oh, I'm going to play just like a little short clip, but I think they're very like powerful and like the family's finally getting to say their piece to him. So Yeah, good. Um, so he was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1960, but moved to Bath, Ohio when he was eight years old. Um, and his family, his parents were very, like, emotionally distant. His mother had, like, very severe depression, but never really got help for that at all, um, other than pills. She took 27 pills a day while she was pregnant with him as well, for, which, yeah. So doctors think that is a possibility of causing brain trauma, like, in the womb for him. So right off the bat, not really wonderful oh gosh um and he didn't see his father that much except when they when he came home from work and his parents constantly fought and really neglected him and his little brother a lot um so with him there's also this great debate of nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. um which I think you can never really solve that's just it's very complex right it really is yeah um because as he got older he was also very interested in like dead animals not really hunting like normal people but finding dead animals in the woods and like he found a dead dog once and he skinned it and dissolved its head in acid and then stuck the skull on a pole outside his house or shed by his house are we sure that he found it um that's what most of that's what people say like he lived okay. by the woods so the, there were he was just like finding animals out in the woods oh so yeah. yeah so that's a little you know past normal behavior with mm-hmm. kids and animals um because I get it if you're a kid and you go out like hunting with your family and stuff that's different that's different right but as a kid knowing how to dissolve a head in acid like who taught you that nobody you learned that yourself, or Jeffrey uh. did. Yeah. Um, when he was 13, he started a romantic relationship with this boy in his neighborhood, but it was very, very secret. And that's when he kind of started to realize he was gay. And this kind of like further alienated himself after that. Well, he, he alienated himself, you know, because he was right. keeping a secret. And he started getting very, very drunk going to school and he became an alcoholic at 13. And oh he was for like the rest of his life. Um, his parents divorced his senior year of high school and his mother, and this is kind of, this is odd to me. His mother and little brother moved back to Wisconsin and his father moved into a motel. So Jeffrey lived alone in their home while it was for sale. So it's just weird how like the mom took one of the brothers but like oh you can stay with your dad but then the dad was like no peace out I'm out so and it was his well it was his senior year year, so he's probably 18 by then so maybe he just chose to stay that's true that's true he wasn't little anymore but yeah yeah. um so he was like alone in the house able to do whatever he wanted without hiding from anybody um and in 1978, he became like obsessed with this jogger who would run by his house every morning and he would just watch them follow this jogger down the street. Um, but eventually the jogger noticed and stopped coming. So he started looking for somebody new to oh, get no. obsessed with. Um, Stephen Hicks was 19 years old and was hitchhiking when Jeffrey saw him and picked him up. Uh, I'm so glad people don't really hitchhike anymore. It's such a dangerous thing to do. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I like, 
was it at one point not dangerous or has it always been dangerous and then people just eventually realized it was dangerous I think it was like always dangerous but like people just didn't think so they thought people were nice and giving them a favor and like I don't know people did it all the time I know no way like even still I'll rarely see someone but I will see people trying to hitchhike and I'm thinking I'm like honestly like I just feel bad for those people because I'm like, you must be really desperate in order to be wanting to hitchhike right now. Like one time, one time I hit a snowbank coming home from school and my car was in a ditch and people stopped and like offered help. And I was like, no, no, I'll wait for my parents (laughs) to get here. Like, even then I'm like, I don't want strangers to like help me like in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. Um, so, um, Jeffrey offered to give Stephen Hicks a ride, and he said, why don't we just have some drinks at my place and hang out for a bit? Um, and Stephen agreed to do that, and he makes a move with Stephen, but Stephen is like, I'm not gay, and Dahmer does not like that, and he grabbed a barbell and beat Stephen to death. And at this point, he's still a high school senior. So his first victim, his first kill is as a high school senior. Pretty oh young. Goodness. Yeah. Um, so young. And then he also discovered that he was sexually aroused by this, by death and killing people, and found it to be a high, um, which unfortunately will fuel him for years to come. Uh Right. With, okay. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, with that, I feel like that is a lot of time nature. Like that is just, you're born psychotic like that. Yeah. That's within your nature. But then again, you're, I, no, no, I think more about it. I don't know though, because there are some pe- kids that are just so like horribly abused. And I'm thinking of um, Albert Fish, who was in this oh, horrible. Yeah was in horrible situations growing up um in different orphanages and um subjected to sexual violence yeah so then that's the so then that's how he felt that so and and then eventually gave it so yeah actually never mind it is nature versus nurture still mm-hmm. okay yeah continue it's insane so he dismembered steven's body uh he removed the arms and legs and put them in garbage bags and then he put those remains in his car to head to a dump like garbage dump and the police actually stopped him for erratic driving and they saw the bags in his back seat they weren't even in the trunk they were in the back seat of his car and they asked him um what's that you got there and Dahmer said oh I just couldn't sleep so I thought I'd get ahead of my like weekly trash duty just throwing out my trash and they're like okay and let him go and that is the first time of many that we'll see he gets away he narrowly gets away from the police um because they just didn't really look so if he's driving erratically like I just picture this time like like he's probably in his own head and just drive like he knows what he's got in his back seat and so he's extra anxious and and he's probably still going off this high and adrenaline. Yeah. So he's driving erratically. I would wonder how his behavior would be when interacting with the cops. Would he be calm and chill? Or or is he also then just like freaking out, like, like looking like yeah. a little wild? Apparently he was calm enough. I, I, I think he really he really knew how to fake it around people. Every that's like so everything scary. I found said he was really good at that. That's like scary. Faking. Yeah. But he was so, after the police left, he was so shaken up by it that he didn't even go to the dump. He drove back to his house with the remains and decided to discard them there. And he destroyed the body, like even further. He like pounded the bones to like mush and then scattered them around his property. Um, yeah. So, like, even if you found it, you wouldn't be, like, entirely sure it was bone because it's all, like, shattered and broken. That's so bad. Um, and then he had starts attending Ohio State University. 
continuing his normal life as much as possible. But he flunks out after a year because he's an alcoholic and is not really getting good grades, not really going to classes. Uh, And then he went into the army and he was stationed in Germany. But his drinking problems got him kicked out of the army too. So he couldn't do anything really. Um, And he moved to live with his grandmother, Catherine, in Wisconsin in 1981 to hopefully kind of turn him in his life around is what his family thought. And he actually found, well, he said he found religion at his grandmother's house. And he really dove into the church and was studying religion and reading the Bible every day. And he went to church all the time. And at this point, he's 21 years old and everyone thinks it's like this really big turn for him that he's getting better. But really it was like all an act. Like he knew that this would make people think he was normal again. Oh my gosh. And he also got really good at like hiding how drunk he was all the time. Which, I mean, you've got to be drinking a lot to get control of yourself like that when you are absolutely hammered. Like, that's scary. Uh, They call them functional alcoholics. Yeah. Messed up. I mean. Well, actually, he wasn't very functional because he couldn't keep a job. He couldn't, no. But somehow he could fake it enough where people thought he had quit. But yeah. Um, so in the spring of 1982, he steals a mannequin from a store and starts treating it like his boyfriend. And he would take it out in the car, like for a drive, He slept with it in his bed, but he also kept it a secret. I don't know how, when you're taking it out, but he stored it in his closet when he wasn't home so that people wouldn't like see it laying around and be like, what's wrong with you, you weirdo? Um, and but his grandmother found it one day in his closet and she was so disturbed that she forced him to get rid of it, um, which he did. But then after that, he started exposing himself to young boys and he was arrested twice for uh, public exposure or whatever at a fair and at a park to young boys. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, he also. Okay. I just want to say, yeah. if it was disturbing enough to the grandmother <laughs> for him to get rid of it, I have to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I'm alarmed to what it looked like or like yeah. what, what was on yeah, me it. Too. You know what I, mean? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't. Uh, I don't really yeah. want to know. But it, the, the grandmother saw this mannequin and was like, "Get rid of it!" Yeah, tells me something. Something nasty. was up. And he was yeah. just a nasty dude. Nasty. Oh boy, have you seen? <laughs> have you seen the Umbrella Academy? No. Oh shoot. Well, I mean, it's nothing like Jeffrey Dahmer, but one of the characters <laughs> had a relationship with a mannequin, but. He was also like losing his mind and crazy, like the last person alive on earth. So like, <laughs> well, it was more funny then, but. Well, that's, that's the thing is there are like my strange addiction. Yeah. Whatever, and then they um, like, sometimes they like collect mannequins and like, they like them as companions, like as like friends. And I mean, those are just very lonely people, but yeah, obviously I don't think that that was necessarily the same circumstance as what was going on with Jeffrey Dahmer because. See, I said Dahmer. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. It's okay. Um, just because he was so, I think that he was being nasty with it. Yeah. Something gross. Yeah. Um, he actually, so after this, after his arrest, um, he gets a job in 1985 at Ambrosia Chocolate Factory to keep him busy. Um, oh, I guess I could have done that. Chocolate. <laughs> but I Come forgot. on. <laughs> Add some chocolate on top of your banana bread. Yeah, sprinkle go. some chocolate chips on top. Mm, so good. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> forgot about that one. You know, you just think of the gross things over the, the nice things like chocolate. Um, right, right. 
so Jeffrey saw an obituary of a man who passed away in a motorcycle accident and in like the newspaper or something doesn't know who this man is but see reading his obituary like falls in love with this man or he thinks he's in love with him so he tries to dig up the body so that they could be together e. <laughs> yeah but the ground was too hard and he gave up this idea like he couldn't really break ground mm-hmm. um but he starts really like after this mannequin thing and loving this dead person or thinking he loves this dead person he decides he really does like want to try to have some sort of connection with somebody and he goes to Milwaukee and starts going to gay bars and interacting with other gay men um but he would really like stand in the corner at these bars and just like watch people which is like I okay maybe you're shy and that's what a lot of people thought they thought he was like really shy Mm -hmm. um that he didn't really know how to talk to people but really he was just like watching people because he didn't really want social interaction he just wanted a person like a body you know um and then he started going to these bathhouses for um for gay men and they didn't really like him there they found him really creepy and strange and he was asked a couple times to stop coming because he was just that weird. Oh my god! What like what do you think he was? I don't want to know. I don't know why I keep on asking these questions. I actually don't want the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, and one day, or not one day, but Jeffrey would offer um these men a drink, and then they would drink it, and they passed out, and he assaulted them while they were passed out and drugged. Um, and one day one of the bathhouse operators found, um, a man unconscious and he was taken to the hospital and he lived and he was okay, but he was drugged and he knew who had done it and it led back to Jeffrey and he's banned from the bathhouses at this point. He can't go there anymore. Um, it should have been a criminal charge too, but you're right. He literally just drugged and assaulted someone. Yeah. Um, but he would just, he just went back to the bars and did the same thing. He would drug men, take them back to their motels and have sex with them. But they were always unconscious, not a willing participant at all. Um, but cause he didn't like that. He didn't want like the people to be awake right. for sex. Yeah. Nasty freak. Yeah. Um, he met Stephen Toomey one night and they went to a hotel room and he did the same thing he always does, give them the drink, they pass out. But then Jeffrey accidentally drank some of this drink himself, which um, is halcyon laced. I don't know what halcyon is. I don't some recognize kind of that drug or whatever. Um, and he also passes out because he accidentally drank it. Um, what and then an idiot. What, I know. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, I'm thirsty. Like, that's like, 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 that's like it's like cartoon. Yeah, shit. that's like stupid. Yeah. Um, but he wakes up, Jeffrey does, and is covered in blood and has discovered he has killed again. Like, in this drug-induced thing, he, like, lost all memory of this event, doesn't remember doing it, but he had beaten Stephen Toomey to death um, while he was blacked out. And what? he got a suitcase, packed Stephen into it, and then got into a cab to take it to his grandmother's house. Okay, I suddenly don't believe that him that he says that he actually took his own drugs. I'm just, I don't know. I think he added that to the story. Like, that's so weird. If you yeah. take, like, you're, if you take those drugs that knock most men out, Mm-hmm. it's not like they send those men into a murderous rage enough right. like this is a grown man that he just murdered to be able to shove him in a suitcase when you're whacked out on all these drugs no you don't have the strength you lose all muscle tone you go like yeah like, he was awake he wouldn't be able to like do do any of that stuff so i don't know what kind of story he concocted? I don't believe that for a second, though, that he had all right. the time to do all that. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. 
BS. He probably went through a blind rage and then just, and he might have, I don't know, stupid. Maybe after he killed the guy, then he took a drink and f- passed out. Yeah. I don't know. Because, like, otherwise, the guy's fight back. Right. And it's like only his word, you mm-hmm. know, that this right. really happened exactly how he says it does. Right. right. Sorry. I just like went on a rant. That just like annoyed <laughs> me because, like, no, Jeffrey, you're lying. Yeah. Stoopy head. <laughs> um yeah so he takes it to his grandmother's house and he then butchers the body and keeps the skull and this is what he will continue to do he always keeps the skulls of his victims because it's not really a trophy like some serial killers like but it's it was like his way like although oh, always be with me we have a personal connection like to stay you creep yeah gross um i wonder does how does he know whose skull is whose i don't know maybe he like labels it or something (laughs) that's horrible he he does later start putting them in like a filing cabinet he puts all his skulls in there what yeah so i think he probably like had labels numbered it or something yeah that's out of a horror movie just opening up a file cabinet being full of skulls disgusting and he also liked to masturbate into the skulls oh that often yeah because it was so arousing for him i could gag right now i could actually just vomit everywhere right now that's disgusting that is that is the most bizarre freaky thing yeah yeah uh two months after this he finds 14-year-old Jamie Doxeter, little boy, and offers him, yeah, $50 to take pictures at his apartment. And he drugs, rapes, and strangles this boy in his grandmother's house and then dismembers him. Um, once again, keeping the skull. And then that three months. Sad. Yeah you're truly disgusting and you're truly a monster like they're like children like not that the like older like men mean any less but dear god and when you convince this child to like come back like he's so innocent he's like oh go back for pictures you think i'm gonna be a model one day or you know whatever they yeah he's like something definitely so sad they just don't know better no yeah so only three months after that so he had like eight years between his first and second killings and now they're just getting more frequent um three months later he finds 22 year old richard guerrero at a gay bar once again drugs him um at his home strangles him to death but then he's uh, with this victim unfortunately he moves on to necrophilia no next step which is sex with a dead body if you don't know um yeah so his like he's like with i feel like with every death he tries something new to try and get like more satisfaction than the last one and like nothing seems to really like work for him so he keeps trying different things right like he doesn't he has an mo Mm-hmm. but then he also just keeps adding to it but they do say that they say that serial killers escalate yeah so it's when kind of what he's doing don't get what they want like the feeling that they want well yeah the change yeah because then that's the thing is okay that that aroused them last time but then now it's like oh that's old news so then yeah. it's like they keep on escalating escalating so scary mm-hmm. um but but this time people were actually suspicious about richard's disappearance um but eventually they like the people who knew him he had talked about getting a new job that he was about to get one so they assumed he had like moved and gotten a new job and then that was kind of the end of that um because unfortunately with all these men disappearing the police were not very interested and they didn't really take take a look at these men unfortunately kind of ignored it or didn't think it was serious um mostly because you know they were like 
gay men. Most of his victims were African-American men. Like, the police just, like, didn't care. That's so sad. Yeah. So, and that's, at least that's <laughs> when the um, the impact statements can kind of be heard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. April 23rd, 1988, Ronald Flowers uh, needed help with his car, and Jeffrey offered him a cup of coffee at his house and to help fix his car. Um, so, of course, the coffee is laced, and Ronald passes out. Uh, then Jeffrey's grandmother comes out, and because she's like, what's that noise? And he had oh. thought she was not home, but she was there the whole time. Um, and Jeffrey decides he can't go through with this and he abandons this plan because grandmother's standing right there. And he was like, oh, I have to take my friend to the hospital. Something's wrong with him. That's why he's passed out. Oh my goodness. He leaves flowers like at the hospital, just kind of dumps him there. Uh And when Ronald wakes up, he tells the police what happened and Jeffrey is arrested. Um, but he's able to talk his way out of it, basically. I don't know how. I don't know what he said. I think he like made the argument like, oh, it was just like a little lover's quarrel, whatever. And the police were like, oh, okay, you figure that out on your own. Like, no, this man had to go to the hospital. Like, he was drunk. Might have made him like so uncomfortable. Like, like I don't know, because yeah. back back at that time, you know, they weren't as accepting. Exactly, of homosexual relationships. So. The fact that they were gay was probably just like, okay, you guys just do your okay. thing. Okay. You know what these gay men are into? Like, that was yeah. literally the whole attitude. Like, right. Ugh, makes me so mad. That is um, ridiculous. But his grandmother started getting really suspicious after that because she was like, first of all, she's like, first of all, I didn't know you were gay. And now you're bringing men home. And also, he was like passed out like you know she's she has questions yeah also i remember that weird doll you had you weirdo yeah yeah and she knows there have been like strange smells in her home like what is that coming from what and so he decides it's time to move out of grandma's house in 1988 um so he can truly do whatever he wants without having to worry about her coming home or being home um so <clears throat> his first victim, um, well, his next victim, then I guess I should say, is a 13-year-old boy who he also got to go to his apartment to pose nude for $50. Whenever it's like the really young boys, it's always that. Like he always is like, oh, I'll pay you for some pictures. Um, and he even said nude? Yeah, yeah. See, he probably convinced him. He's like, oh, this is how you get big. This is how you get famous in the modeling world. Like, yeah. I'll pay you. Like something you like that. And yeah, I'll take pictures of you. That's sad. Yeah. Um, so he makes, he makes this boy coffee. And then he asks if he can listen to the boy's stomach. And <laughs> yeah. Then that was something he kind of liked to ask people like before they passed out or something like, can I listen to your heart? Can I listen to this? Whatever. And it's really odd. Um, You know, this is another thing. Screw being polite. Yeah. Because I'd be like, no, you freaking weirdo. No, you cannot listen to my stomach. Absolutely not. That's weird. You take pictures. You're not a doctor. (laughs) And the boy thought that was really odd. So he escaped out the door after he asked him that. And he gets outside and goes to the police and tells them the direction of the apartment. And Jeffrey is arrested for sexual assault of this boy. And he's found guilty. And he did go to trial for this, actually, and was given one year work release and five year probation. What? Yeah. Yeah. But before he goes to prison, because he has, like, time before then, he's like, oh, I can get one more kill in before I go to prison. Okay. So he meets 24-year-old Anthony Sears at a club and does his usual routine. 
and he kept Anthony's skull and he would put it in a bag and take it to work because he was on work release. So like, you know, he could go to work and then he would have to go back to the prison. Like that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And he would keep this skull in his work locker during his entire one year sentence. So he could keep visiting it. And he would like make out with the skull and then like put it back in his locker. And no one ever saw, no one ever found it. Are you kidding me? Like, how would you not notice that? How? Ew. Oh um, my gosh. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Just, and it was while he was in prison this year that he started, he had a lot of time to just sit and think about things. And that's when he started fantasizing about cannibalism, um, which he hadn't done yet. And, but he thought if I could eat them, they would always be with me. They would never leave me. They'd be part of my body now. Which, like, no, that's not true. No, you digest things. <laughs> You're digesting, shit it out, you know. But okay, that's what he thought. Um, <laughs> and in 1990, he is released from prison, but he's still on probation. But clearly that does nothing because he continues. Um, and the in Milwaukee, where he's currently living in 1989, his neighbors, Vernell and Pamela Bass, move in um, and they meet their new neighbor in apartment 213. Um, and Vernell remembers like every time he went to Jeffrey's house or apartment to like ask for a cigarette or something, he, the bedroom door was always locked with like a padlock. And, but he didn't really think it was weird because he assumed like, they weren't in the best neighborhood and he assumed like, oh, he's probably got like a TV in there or something that he wants to keep locked up. And also he noticed there were cameras in the living room of his apartment. And just again, assumed it was for security because like, why else would you want a camera, you know? Oh. Um, so Dahmer then brings home 33 year old Raymond Smith and drugs and kills him. But then this is, he tries something new again. He poses the body in like different, like graphic and intimate positions and took photos of the body. And then he started like hanging these pictures up on his wall. Um, yeah, just out in the open. Like anyone can freaking hey, see it. Okay. So it's just such a freaking weirdo. Yeah. That's all I can keep on saying. I just like, so bizarre okay mm -hmm. continue so he saves um this man's skull and places it in his locked filing cabinet um and then he does the same to two other victims and so at this point this filing cabinet is getting filled with skulls and he has killed eight people at this point um 27 year old edward smith met jeffrey and they were hanging out for about a month. Um, so this man didn't like immediately go home with him or anything. They hung out for a while. And then, um, so you think, you know, oh, I know somebody. And then I'll go home with them. And right. he disappears. And his family and friends do come looking for him. And everyone knows he was last seen with Jeffrey. But um Jeffrey is kind of like, oh, I just like haven't seen him. I think he like went blah, 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 somewhere else, you know, and people, mm -hmm. there was nothing they could really do because the police weren't like interested and just assumed like, oh, he probably left, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Jeffrey tried with Edward's skull, he tried to dry it out in the oven and it just completely shattered. And he says later, like that is his, biggest regret which is super weird but he uh, wasn't able to keep he like accidentally destroyed the skull he wasn't able to keep it so he felt like oh I no longer had this connection and he felt like remorse about that which this is like it's such a warped thing therapy yeah intense therapy that is like the most delusional thing yeah he has but severe issues severe obviously um, Ernest Miller is the first victim who is eaten by Jeffrey because after this 
skull incident, he decided to try the cannibalism. He kind of tried to talk himself out of it. Like, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to do it. But he does. Um, what weirds me out the most, I think, <laughs> what weirds me out the most about Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. is how delusional he is in all of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of serial killers we've covered want they want to be as as monster like and demonic as possible a lot of them are like into the like being a complete monster and yeah and they like they thrive off that fear that people have of them yeah but him it's it's like he's just delusional he thinks that these people are gonna stay with him and these are his friends and he's into these skulls and yeah he sees it as like a personal relationship and it's not yeah yeah it's you're right it is really different yeah most people don't think that way even serial killers yeah no it's the most delusional thing creepy so jeffrey actually kept miller's body um to eat it slowly and he started experimenting with that, like cooking it, seasoning it. Um, he like really took his time practicing eating people with his body. Unfortunately, this poor man. Um, his ninth victim is 22-year-old David Thomas. He kills David, but then very oddly, he discards the body. He just dumps it in a garbage what? like some garbage you know dump and like it's really really odd and different because after you are spending so much time with like your other bodies and like trying different things and then you just you don't do anything you just killed this man and dumped it like I don't know what's so out of character I mean desecrating the body further than that would be far worse I think but I think that that's actually I, I prefer that he did that, I guess. Ew, yeah. I don't even know how. Like, I know what you mean, though. Um, I prefer that he just leave the body alone afterwards. Yeah. But also, it was weird. Like, did he, did the guy do something or say something to where, the, where Jeffrey just was like, I don't like you. I'm breaking up with you. Yeah, I feel like that I, was probably it. Like, he was like, you know what? I'm going to kill you, but, like, I don't really feel a connection to you, so... I don't need yeah. your body. Like, uh Yeah. It's okay. weird. It's like at least he has a body. Some, like, weird personal thing in his mind that's like, you know, I, I don't really I want to break this relationship off here. I don't I'm not really interested in you anymore. Yeah. It's it had to have been my like that, you know. Yeah. Weird. Strange. Um so Jeffrey meets 14-year-old Conorak. Synthesomphone, I think is how you say his name. I'm so sorry. Um, and again, offers him money to pose nude. And this, the odds of this, I hate it. Um, Conorak is the older brother of the boy Jeffrey was sentenced to jail for assaulting a few years ago. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How does he fall into that? I don't know. And this poor boy, like, I just, oh, it's astounding. Um, so Conrad goes back with him and is raped. And then he is the first victim that Jeffrey decides to attempt to make a zombie with. Um, yeah. So he decided, Jeffrey had decided he wanted something permanent. He wanted a living person but someone who could be completely submissive, not be able to say or do anything, basically like your sex slave. So he decides if I can make them like zombie-like, they'll be living, but they have, they're completely under my control. So this poor boy, he gives Conorak a lobotomy with a drill, like <gasps> drills a hole into his head and dumps hydrochloric acid into his brain to attempt to make him like just this vegetable zombie. That yeah. makes me sick. That is so sad. Yeah, it's fucked. That is um, messed up. 
I don't even and know. then he yeah. decides, you know what? I'm not drunk enough to do this. So I need to go out and get some beer. And he leaves, leaving Conrack in the apartment. After he, he did this to him? Yeah. After he had like drilled a hole, poured some acid in. But um, Conrack escapes the apartment while he's gone, naked, running into the street. And this woman, her name is Cola. She finds him and she immediately calls 911. And as she's on the phone with the police, Jeffrey shows up and tries to like take him away from her. And she's like fighting back. And she's like, no, you like Connor. can't really even really speak at this point, but she's like, obviously you don't know him. And so she's on the plea on the phone with the police also trying to fight off Jeffrey. Who's trying to drag this boy away. And then the police finally show up and Jeffrey tells them, Oh, he looks really young because he's 14, but he's actually 20 years old. He's my boyfriend. And we were just having like really rough kinky sex. And that's why he's like bleeding and everything. Ha ha ha. There's a hole in this boy's head. Okay. <sighs> and the woman, Cola, she tried to tell the police, no, this is, this is a lie. Like there's no way he doesn't know. They don't know each other. They're not together. Um, but the police were like, you're an amateur detective. We don't need your help. You can sit this Like they basically told her to F off, you know, that she didn't know anything. And the police escort Dahmer and Conorak back to Dahmer's point- apartment. And what? he even shows them the Polaroids of like uh, Conorak, like posed nude and everything, like the photos he took. And showed it as proof that they were in a relationship. Like, oh, see, my boyfriend, we were just like, he was taking pictures with me. And as he was showing them the photos, there was also a corpse on his bed rotting. And the cops were like, you know, it smells like shit in here. And you're really weird, but he's obviously your boyfriend. And they leave Conorak there, this 14-year-old boy. And if they had looked at all if they had just even searched jeffrey dahmer's name they would have seen that he was on probation for molesting this boy's brother and if they had searched the apartment more they would have found a rotting corpse in jeffrey's bedroom but they didn't and it absolutely disgusts that is the biggest the most neglectful act of police work i think that we've ever covered yeah and we've had ever. a lot but that takes it and that does i mean they just led this boy back into the apartment when he's bleeding out and he's out of his mind he can't even speak for himself yeah and like the poor boy he might have lived if he had gotten help immediately yeah it's just so neglectful i it makes me so sick i just feel so bad for that boy and you know domestic violence exists they yeah. know that. They're trained on that. This isn't like early 1700s. Like, I know. is a thing. And just because they're homosexuals, just because they're gay, does not mean that that does not happen. I know. So mad. Like, oh, it's okay, well, even if Even if they are a couple and you have all these photos, don't you want to question, hmm, maybe this became violent maybe it's not consensual yeah just because they're in a relationship doesn't mean he belongs to this guy but just because they're so uncomfortable because they're gay he doesn't want to and they don't want to ask any questions and oh it's shameful I hope these men were fired or they feel guilt for the rest of their lives like I really do they'll have to answer to someone one day I'm just saying that much yeah like I don't know I don't know what happened to these police officers if they got any like when this all came to light if they got any thing at all probably not but I hope they feel guilty they wish they should um yeah so after the police just leave Conorak there um Jeffrey tries to drill another hole into his head but this one event kills him it gets too much and um his neighbors do notice like this foul odor is like in the entire building because you know all of this death is happening 
Mm-hmm. And they would actually, the neighbors would roll towels to stuff under the doors to like try and keep the smell out of their homes. And the na- he told all the neighbors like, oh, it was soured meat in my freezer. Like, oh, so sorry, I'll clean it up. And, you know, it just continues. Because there's well, no- They all know it's coming from his apartment. Don't yeah. you think? And it's an apartment, it's for rent. Don't you think they'll be like, let's just check it out. Make sure that there's not anything dead in your walls. Like, Literally. Like, Literally. not even thinking it might be his fault. Just yeah. something's coming out of your apartment. It's rancid. Let's check it out. But I guess not. Um, so, and at this point, he's also fired from this job at the chocolate factory for sleeping on the job because of all of this stuff that was going on at nighttime. He didn't have the energy to be awake for a job during the day um and he was really creating like a murder museum in his apartment like because he never wanted these memories to go away so he would just like take body parts and like things from the victims and just keep them like all over his apartment not trying to hide it at all like and the pictures were just all over his walls he was it was just like really bold like he didn't care if anyone saw him really or saw this stuff because he's been able to talk his way out of everything so far like so why wouldn't you get bold you know right and in the 13 years since he made his first kill he had at this point murdered 17 men and boys and eaten several of them um but in july of 1991 he met tracy edwards and they go back to his apartment and Edwards smells how awful it is in his apartment and he kind of like backs up immediately wants to leave and they start to struggle and fight um and Tracy Edwards does escape with a handcuff on his hand and runs to the police and he says I'm being held captive against my will this this man attempted to hold me captive and Edwards leads the police back to Dahmer's home and they ask for the key for the handcuffs. And Jeffrey Dahmer actually says, oh yeah, the key is back in my bedroom. Let's go get it. Knowing full well he has all this sh- like crap everywhere, like murder crap. Um, and the plea, but he's like so delusional at this point. They think like he thinks he can get away with everything. So he just lets the police inside. Um, and the police see all of the photos over the walls and there were even some decapitated bodies in these photos (gasps) like in poses yeah you can't fake that they have no head um and it smells awful and finally finally they're like oh we should take this really seriously and the cops call that they need backup and jeffrey is arrested and as they're like handcuffing him he says for what i did i should be dead yeah you should buddy um, well, he wants that. Yeah, I don't. So, I like anything that he wants. I'll do the opposite. No, right. you'll you'll rot in solitary. Literally, solid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when the investigators came into his apartment, they found a dead body decomposing in the bed. Uh, in the fridge and the freezer, there was just it was just jam packed with like packaged human meat like body parts um there was a human head in the freezer and a pot of penises on the stove what yeah yep disgusting and there were also more penises in like jars just like around the apartment like they found what like like he pickled them yeah kind of like that Ah! Uh uh-huh uh they found a pair of detached lips and brain matter and bones just everywhere oh i can't imagine how freaking disgusting it had to have been i like i feel the gag coming Mm -hmm. up like i that is the most disgusting oh (laughs) i actually i literally i okay i can't even talk about it anymore Oh okay, so he was just gagging violently, so I'll cut that out. <laughs> so we don't make yeah. anyone else gag. <laughs> <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> but it's disgusting. So that's valid. Maybe that's a valid response. Maybe you could just bleep over my gag. <laughs> oh, we're not swearing. We're gagging. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the building was evacuated and the neighbors just had to stand outside and watch as a crew in hazmat suits emptied out bags and bags of remains, barrels of acid from his house and like all of his like instruments that he used to kill people. Um, And Jeffrey, he started talking right away, full confession to 17 murders, even though the police found remains for only 11 of those victims in his apartment. Um, And that's another thing, like, did you, a lot of people are like, he wanted to be caught because yeah, he wanted, he wanted to, you know, you start cheerily talking right away. You had to. Um, so he unless goes he, to like, unless he was so delusional that he just like did not really understand the gravity of what he did. Yeah. Like, really just it's doesn't possible. like, he just doesn't even know. Um, he goes to trial in 1992 with a defense plea of insanity. Cause that's really all the defense could think of because he obviously did these things you can't say i didn't do it he is a little insane yeah and he's facing 15 counts of first degree murder um tracy edwards testified and said that um Dahmer wanted to listen to his heart and told him he was going to eat his heart before he like escaped um And then the victim's family and friends, they were able to take the stand and each of them spoke um, their impact statements. And okay, I'm going to get the clip. It's like a minute long, kind of a short little montage of different people speaking. Mm-hmm. So. Took my mother's oldest grandchild from her. For that, I can never forgive you. I hope you, I hope you can deal with what you've done. You are in Diablo. That means the devil, the pure devil that walked out of the streets and was the pain that you caused my family. That was my baby boy that you took away from me. My mother gave five beautiful kids. We lost, destroyed the baby of the family. Why? You know, why would it be my son? So yeah, that was just a short clip. And I Wow. Um the last woman, she like steps away from the microphone, but she like gets in his face and is screaming that she wants to kill him and she hates him and just like that pure justified anger and hatred from the victims is just insane. It is so sad to like just hear all those and like <sighs> Especially the mothers talking, mm-hmm. so sad. Yeah, I mean every every relative talking is sad, but I think I just relate more with the mother now. Mm-hmm. It's and, like stabs with the heart. Yeah, and he, during all of this, he like did not react at all. Like this woman getting in his face and screaming at him, he just sat there like stony. And that feeds to your rage too. That would get me even more angry. I would, I would want to, yeah, stomp on his head if like he just wasn't even reacting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, be like, I'd be screaming too. I think, I think I would most closely, my reaction would most closely relate to the last woman's. Yeah, I agree. That's just pure rage. Um, but of course, he's found guilty after a two-week trial. He's convicted of all 15 counts of murder and sentenced to 15 life sentences, one for each of his counts. Good. Like, yeah. Um, And his first year in prison, he was kept in solitary confinement. Um, But then after that first year, he was allowed out among the other inmates. And this man, Christopher Scarver, claimed that Dahmer would use the prison food and like catch up to replicate like bloody severed limbs and like kind of taunted the other inmates with it like 
recreating these images with food and stuff. I don't know how true that is because it doesn't really seem like something he would do. Right. He wasn't like outwardly taunting. Yeah. But that's what himself. That's what this inmate said he would do. Maybe um, he'd just do it to himself like with him by himself, like at the table. Yeah. Um, and then Christopher Scarborough also said he witnessed a few heated interactions between Dahmer and the other prisoners because they did not like him. Because like no. even what he did among prisoners, like they hated him for it. He yeah, didn't have an easy time. Candlism killing children. Yeah. Just being um, a nasty <clears throat> freakazoid. Yeah. Um, and one of the inmates attempted to slash Jeffrey's neck with a razor, even in front of the guards, and he was okay, unfortunately. Um, he was fine after that. But in November of 1984, Christopher Scarver cornered Jeffrey in a locker room and pulled out this newspaper clipping and confronted him about all of these things that were in the newspaper that it said he did. And he was like, did you do these things? You're disgusting. And Christopher Scarborough beat Jeffrey to death. Uh, He was 34 years old and Christopher smashed Jeffrey's head with a barbell, which is ironically how Jeffrey killed his first victim exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, When Jeffrey was found still alive with extreme head and facial injuries after this, and he was taken to the hospital, but he was later pronounced dead. So that was the end of Jeffrey Dahmer killed in prison only a year, two years into his sentence. So that gets me so mad. I just wish for what I wish that he they wouldn't have put him in in with other people i wish that they would have just left him in solitary yeah getting out and i mean being done with it after two years just gets me mad and i don't know why this this guy took it upon himself to do that by himself like i feel like there could have been more um that was just one instant i don't know yeah i don't know i just feel like he deserved the worst yeah he deserved maybe some people think being beaten to death in the same manner that you killed your first victim was the worst. But honestly, I would like to see him suffer and just be like taunted and tortured by the other inmates like for the rest of his life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, why do you have to like be done with it so quick? <laughs> like yeah. one beating? Come on. This is that's well, horrible. I'm going straight to hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, but but still, like after everything he did, I would just want him to honestly, I don't even know if the the beating isn't is. Like, I think that he deserves to just be by himself staring at a blank wall for the rest of his life. Just spiral out of control. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I th- what do you deserve? I think he should just, yep. But bad enough to keep him alive and stare at a blank wall. Yeah. That's what but, I want. And I kind of forget how sometimes I feel like this was so long ago. I mean, it was before I was born and everything, but it's still like, 90s when he was caught like it's not that long ago and you kind of think of Jeffrey Dahmer and you're like oh that was like something from the 70s or something but it wasn't and yeah no it was not all that long ago it makes you kind of scared for what's going to come up in our time oh god yeah like because you know they're not done yeah serial killers didn't just go away they're out there I mean, we've talked about that before. Like, there's an estimated, like, what, like, 10 serial killers out there by the FBI or something? Uh, 50. Oh. 53. <laughs> You're 52 right. or 53. You're right. Um, yeah. Out there right now, is, so. It's not a good statistic. It's a little. It's I don't a little, love it. I feel a little uncomfy, me a little skeeved out, but. Yeah. That's, like, more than one per state by a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think that I just don't know how Jeffrey Dahmer got away with it so for so long. Yeah, um, just and all the people he had, like, where are the loved ones that are like, like they should know that there's a serial killer out there, and every every little tip should be 
should have been on the police's radar and it was just mm-hmm. so it was neglected so bad I just don't yeah. get it and it was probably just because they felt uncomfortable with what they were dealing with yeah it's truly like one of the most neglectful cases especially in Connor X case that 14 year old boy who was, was hand delivered back to Jeffrey Dahmer to die oh that mm-hmm. disgusts me so sad yeah well um yeah from here on out I think so I think I'm gonna try to do the research and we'll do I'll do it next week so I'm gonna do an episode next week so it probably won't be a murder um I haven't decided what I want to do yet okay but um yeah so anyway on that note my name's Casey I'm Emily and you just heard a sprinkle of sugar a dash of murder Mm. Stop.